0: to PS Exhibition's podcast. I am your co-host, Virginia. And I'm your co-host, Erica. Today, we are joined by artist Sydney Gush. Hi, Sydney, how
1: are you? Good, happy to be here. Hey, So today, we'll be discussing Sydney's solo exhibition, The Racking Tours of Thought,
0: currently available on our Instagram through the first week of October. Well, thank you for coming back, Sydney. Of course. So how did you come up with the idea of Raconteurs of Thought?
2: You know, it was a really weird collaborative effort (laughs) (laughs) between Erica and myself um, during one really, really long meeting that we just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of let everything come together. We just looked through all my work and just started, I guess, collaging things. things that we liked we kind of just made a mood board and went from there and it was just born
1: (laughs) I mean it was it was a long meeting but I'm very surprised in the amount of stuff we accomplished in such a little amount of time
2: I don't even know what how to describe it it was definitely just such a creative moment (laughs) for the both of us it was so exciting like when you contacted me about doing something we had no idea really what we were gonna do but you were like let's just do something fun let's do something creative and cool that we haven't done before and this is definitely it
1: yeah and i think i think the first idea was really like we need to have it be specifically for instagram Mm -hmm. just because that's what ps exhibitions is so all the works you know in our exhibitions before have existed on their own to some capacity but Uh, these works in The Racking Tours of Thought are aided and enabled and created purposefully with the idea of Instagram and social media in mind, which I think is very unusual, Um, but that's super fun and super interesting.
2: Yeah, there's something about, I think especially the way you and I think with our curatorial background and, and just gallery background in general is What does this look like once it's installed? Like working backwards with art is kind of how I've been rolling for a while. You know, like what does this actually need to be to be successful in the meet or the format that we're thinking of displaying it? Instagram has been so tricky throughout the pandemic that, you know, finding a way that seemed engaging enough and was still visually pleasing to us and, and made sense for the show, I think that was really important.
1: Yeah. And I think it's unusual right now for contemporary art. So, it's it's an interesting show and I encourage you to take a look at it. So, just to quickly go over what um what it is, it's a series of reels and they each um go into these fictionalized stories of people, but obviously they are, you know, inspired and, and referencing personal trauma and loss and love and every other human emotion you can possibly think of. So I think, you know, you can really, everyone can relate to it in some way. Um, and it's definitely about, you know, being a great storyteller that Sydney is. So raconteur is, is um, derived from fr- the French language uh, really meaning like storyteller. Um, so how, did you become a raconteur,
2: Sydney? First of all, flattered that you think I'm a great storyteller <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> I guess, how do you become a raconteur? How do you become a storyteller? It's like, it's, I guess that's like asking an artists how they became an artist. I think you just are. I think definitely wasn't in one day. <laughs> I, I think it's something that that's there to begin with that has definitely evolved throughout last 10 years just really seriously working on my practice and and seriously thinking about the way that I want to articulate certain stories and communicate certain feelings and emotions to an audience and adapting those mediums to do so. Um, I can't really say how. I just, (laughs) it's a process that has been happening for a long time, I think that you just get better with um, practice and time and experience sharing your work in the first place.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely something you're,
2: you're born with as well. Something that can be built upon, but some people just pick up on it a little differently.
1: Right.
0: And I think looking at your work, even the work that was included in the previous show, The Constant Gaze, um, it's all about the layers, the the visual layers of storytelling, but also these layers of meaning that you could interpret from these images and how you put them together.
2: definitely have like uh, I guess it, I would call it a desire desire to connect and a desire to share, like it's very human and very normal. and when um, you translate that into art and you translate that into an artist. it's It's a desire to share a story. It goes beyond that human experience. I just want to create something that not only makes me feel as if I'm putting my emotions and my feelings into my work and I'm communicating them properly, but it's offering openings for other people to connect those, not even necessarily the same way, but just something that makes them feel as if they can see themselves in the work.
1: Right, and I think something that's also interesting, and I definitely thought of this when we were just working on making these ideas, that I don't think everyone's going to be able to relate 100% to every single word. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally okay. Um, I like that. It. Yeah, it's totally normal. And I think maybe this is like a bigger question and just the study of of art history and design is that not everyone's going to be able to relate to something and that's okay Mm -hmm. um you know i think you have to learn to accept that and that's good you know everyone's different so yeah
0: definitely and I was just wondering if you could walk us through the process of how you created this Reels, just just
2: for some context for viewers. So I have this data set of Polaroid photography, um, images that I've scanned and taken over the past five years or so uh, that I was drawing upon when we were putting these things together. I also have a huge set of um, scans of blocks like physical old antique blocks they're they're from my great grandparents house they're really just classic hand painted alphabet blocks and from there it was just a matter of how do we put these things together in the way that Erica and I were envisioning we had this we thought it was a crazy idea but <laughs> really we just opened up adobe rush and we figured out that it really wasn't that crazy and I was able to export a lot of my block files and remove the backgrounds and insert them into Adobe Rush with these uh, Polaroid images and overlay them and animate them. And yeah, uh, it really felt like it was going to be more complicated than it really was. Not that it was easy.. Um, But yeah, there's some overlays, there's some animation involved, there's some zooming, like simple pan and zoom in and out. I didn't want anything too complicated or hard to export for Instagram since we were thinking really medium specific um, when it came down to it. So technically, we needed a system that was going to be able to export these files and not lose quality and make it a seamless piece. That's basically it. And they're only thirty seconds, so
1: you know it's mm-hmm. not like
2: there's a long, a long time um, either. Yeah, and it was important to keep it that short, considering Instagram <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and people's attention spans are just, you know, barely last thirty seconds when you're looking at an image. And there's no shame in that. We we flip through images all the time. You know, it's less. I think it's less than two seconds that we spend on images on average as we scroll. So we wanted to make it short enough that people might want to keep watching it, visually eye-catching enough that, that people would click on it in the first place. Um, an interesting balance because there's more that we could have done. I think these could have been really long pieces um, if we were thinking about them in a different way, but the short format really worked out well with all the rapid text that moves over and the, the movement of the photo and the piece. I think it, it came together pretty well.
1: Definitely. I think if it was, you know, in a physical gallery, you're right. These pieces could be 10, 20 minutes or more um, easily. Um, Mm -hmm. But Given that it's Instagram, it's literally only 30 seconds. It's a totally different way of thinking about, one, making art and two, viewing Mm -hmm. it and, you know, having some type of relationship with it totally different than being in a physical gallery
2: yeah and it really made Mm -hmm. me think about just text wise um what could we and couldn't we include you know what did we have time to include and what was the most important thing of what we originally selected that i did want to be there that i did want to communicate It, it turned out our advantage limitations are amazing for art yeah sometimes
1: i like i i did this a lot in undergrad and i purposely did it that i would like lock myself in the room um and only be given a certain amount of materials or whatever and i would tell myself okay this is all you have and this is what you have to work (laughs) with for you know whatever length of time i decide and i kind of like that you know you're forcing yourself to to really conceptualize a different way of interpreting art in design um that necessarily hasn't been done before and I think it pushes you to think differently you have to think differently
2: I guess yeah when you have unlimited options I mean oftentimes the art doesn't get made because you could make anything you know you could do anything but forcing yourself to look at your materials at hand and and create something out of it that's That's where the magic's at, right?
1: I think so. Yeah. And definitely, before we go any further, I definitely want to give a shout out to Emily Wickham for helping us with some of the audio for this show. Her audio is fantastic. Um, And Emily Emily. is a talented actress herself. So please take a look at her work. That would be great. But yeah, Emily Emily totally helped us. It was great.
0: Absolutely. But the, the medium really works for this idea, too, that you have this split-second um, moment to kind of look at people in the street, look at things happening in this setting, and create this story in your head, too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, it was almost like writing short stories at that point because I, I feel like when I... I look at these photographs without the text, just photos. When I go out and take the photos, there's always some kind of story attached to them, just from the process, just from, you know, I was walking down the street, and this beautiful woman in pink starts to approach me, and I, like, freak out and grab my camera and take her picture and run away, you know? <laughs> something something <laughs> fun is attached to it already, and then, you know, I'm, I'm already thinking, I already have This kind of imagination about when I'm out and about taking pictures of people, you know, the reasons why I'm looking at them and maybe why they're so appealing or why do they make a good shot. Like there's already those stories. So adding the limitations and adding, well, Erica's eyes to it as well, because everyone's going to see something different. Nobody's there when I take the photo. So, you know, when someone else sees the picture, they're obviously going to see something else. Um. And having Erica there to kind of look and curate with me and pull out new meaning when we added in the blocks and the messages and the text was a really cool process, especially um, the new work that we created for it. Like we started with existing work and kept adding. um, Like I made new block scans to go with some of these reels because we felt like there was something missing or text that would have elevated it. And it was just a really Yeah, fun experience.
1: Yeah, and I think I'd even add to that that some viewers could totally have different ideas or experiences that they connect to with these specific works that we never thought of. Because I know Mm -hmm. there's one specific work that we were like, oh, this can go in two totally different directions. And Mm -hmm. the viewer is just going to have to come to that on their own decision, which I think is really fun. It, It creates a very engaging and open-ended
2: body of work. Yeah, I think there's all sorts of different answers to questions that the pieces bring up themselves or, you know, just the content that they're referencing, the experiences that they're referencing and maybe the thoughts that are in there.
1: Now, I want to go back to something you said earlier. That the the alphabet blocks, they were from your grandparents' mm. house. Were they yeah. like a toy that you used to play with as a kid?
2: So these blocks, they came from my great-grandparents' house on my dad's side, which we cleaned out a few years ago. Um, and if you'll remember from the Constant Gaze with some of my frogs, that's where, <laughs> that's where the original frog sculpture is that I took all of those casts from. Um, but these blocks... I grew up playing with them. My sisters grew up playing with them. My dad grew up playing with them, um, and I think his mom probably did too. Like they've been in the family for a really long time.
1: I mean, I I love that too. Is that you're adding this like a uh, family layered experience to it as well? But it also must be really interesting, as like when you were kids playing with these blocks, and now you're writing out like bitches get money with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, uh, like oh that's very gosh. different
2: <laughs> yeah it's a whole it's a whole new world for these blocks they've got a whole new life going on it's yeah, very yeah. it's very fun to play with them in a new way you know as as an adult as an artist just to play with them um you see new things and when you scan them you see all that wear and tear i you know i i get really nostalgic and there are even some phrases uh, that I've made before that my great grandma said herself, <laughs> like "I've got a hot temper." That's that is direct grandma Hovey quote there. Yeah, some of the sometimes they just they really make me laugh and I'm like, am I really doing this? <laughs> like, what would they say if they saw saw me now? I used to make towers and now I spell out f bombs in succession. Yeah, if these blocks could
1: talk, they would have a lot more angst now.
2: And that's kind of the whole thing, isn't it? Like, making the blocks talk. Yeah. These were definitely felt as if... I started scanning these. uh, I kind of just felt like I was channeling something, you know, some subconscious part of my energy. Like, just repetitive thoughts that were really eating at me or just phrases I couldn't get out of my head or, or memories. Then I started taking them from other people as well. I started asking for requests and there's such, it's weird. There's such a variety in what you'll get, but they all feel on the same thread. You know, I feel like everyone who submitted something, myself included when I'm using them, you know, we're just trying to 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 translate something into a format that is more visually pleasing, you know it, it's something in your head that's taking over, and maybe it's bugging you, maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but putting it in this weird, kind of childlike, playful block message, it doesn't feel as bad. It doesn't sound as bad. And then it's out in the air. Sometimes the deepest thoughts in your subconsciousness
1: are the ones that you never want anyone else to hear ever in your entire life. Um, mm-hmm. But that's exactly the point of the show is to it's hear those.
2: Yeah. Something you need to do. Like maybe it's something you never want anyone to see or hear, or something you would never ever say out loud. But. Might be the healthiest thing just to let it out, and if it has to be in this kind of format, so be it, yeah,
0: yeah. I was wondering, how do you want people to respond to these works?
2: I don't know if there's a want there. I don't know if there's a you know, I don't know if there's a a goal to have them do something specific. I just uh, I just want them to feel I just want them to get something out of it. Maybe that's the really basic artist answer, but you know there's no real ulterior motive. It's I just think they're good to be out there, that some of them are are pretty heavy, and they they talk about things that need to be talked about, but often are not. You know, and maybe I want people to you know, take away a little vulnerability from it just to know that it's okay to let these things out and it's okay to think things like this or have experienced things like this and it's okay to even be consumed by them you know i i think i want to make people feel like they can talk about whatever it is that's consuming them
1: right and i think each one is so different and that for the most part they are all very heavy topics I think Um, which some people might think is a bit challenging to connect to but I think deep down everyone has fears and anxieties that they don't necessarily Mm. want to confront and these force you to do that.
2: Not everybody's gonna connect with every traumatic experience, but there's not one person in this world that hasn't suffered or or felt intense feelings or let down or been in love or brokenhearted. I, I think I think there's something there maybe for everyone if they want it.
1: I think so. Definitely. I think um you know each one has something totally different. So um Like, for me, I think um, the two that I probably most connect to is definitely I Want to See You and Babe. Mm, Two very opposite pieces. Yeah, they are two very opposite (laughs) pieces. But I think, you know, just like, it was interesting, because when we were making these, I felt extremely more connected to I, well, we didn't have a title for it then, but what is now, I want to see you. And this idea of, of loss between a couple and wanting, you know, to see your significant other so desperately. And I think it just spoke to me on a very personal level, but also it totally made me realize things that I must have been feeling for the past, I don't know how long, but I never have been able to say or something. And it I don't want to say it forced me to, but it was just there. It was eye-opening. And I, and, right. yeah, if you've ever taken an academic class with me, I probably know I have some weird interest <laughs> in the work by Roland Barthes. But in, in his one book on photography called Camera Lucida, please read it. Um, he has this idea of a punctum in a studium. Um, and the punctum is really just that there's this one piece of a photograph. Um, it could be anything. And it it means like it's something extremely close. So it could be like um, a pearl on a woman's necklace or this smile on this small child or something. Right. But there's that one like possibly insignificant detail in the photograph mm-hmm. that makes the person connect to it. And Sydney's okay. work for this show reminds me of that completely that there are all these small little details, but these small little details that that just instantly connect to you and you're just like, oh my gosh, like how why didn't I see this before, basically? Um, and I think that's a really great Theory to bring up in relationship to contemporary art.
2: Yeah, and I really love that theory. As an artist, as I guess I'm becoming a photographer. I don't know how it happened, but here we are. Um, <laughs> but it it reminds me of the reasons that I take the photos that I do. You know, when do I pull the sh- like the the shutter, and when do I when do I stop? You know. When do I use that piece of film? Because I have only eight per pack. And there's always something. There's always one little thing, like there's a bow in a girl's hair, or there's the way this this kid is smiling at his brother or the way that a parent is tending to their child. There's always something really small, maybe to other people, but that stands out to me, and that's the reason I take it. And I guess that's I guess that's my own punctum
1: yeah that's definitely your own punctum and I feel like everyone's punctum is different and someone might not Mm -hmm. have a punctum at all in the photograph that you do and I think that's great that's the way it should be you know it's okay
2: definitely I was thinking just about what you were saying with the, the connection you felt to I want to see you and I think we had a conversation the other night where I was getting a little scared. I was getting, I was feeling vulnerable about these works. I was feeling really vulnerable about using my voice and recording my voice and trying to listen to myself say these words that are extremely personal to me. Um, And it made me feel vulnerable in a way that I did not expect. You know, I thought, oh, I'll just record this and put it together and that'll be it. But, (laughs) but honestly, recording this text, and saying it over and over again, and confronting myself with it was so much more emotionally taxing than I thought it would be. And I don't necessarily think that's bad. I I think that that speaks to how important this work really was to me and how important these stories are to share. And whether people know the story or not, or make up their own story with what we've given them or not you know I think yeah there's something really tactile about the emotions that are coming through that I had no idea I would be feeling it was it was tough it really was um tough but rewarding I think the most rewarding work is going to be vulnerable and hard to communicate
1: yeah these these really are some some tough works I think um but they do you know represent a cohesive understanding of your work and there are so many layers into it so the layers of photography and collage and typography so what was it like Mm -hmm. bringing the works that you probably made you know two three plus years ago into this new era of work by sydney (laughs) gosh
2: In the new era of Sydney Gush, all all things are good. It was an awesome experience. It Threading everything together after, I don't know, I feel as if the past four years or so, I've been searching for a thread through my work. Um, there's so much variety in the mediums that I've pursued, and there's so much variety in what I've put out there. Um, I I was getting lost I wasn't sure what I was aiming at what was my end game you know is there an end game when you're really lost in your studio and lost in your head and lost in your practice it's just sometimes it's hard and putting this together putting all these reels together felt like a full circle kind of experience it was really it was all the pieces were clicking they were all just clicking into place so seamlessly. It it made so much sense. Um, <laughs> so basically, I mean, we collaged my collages, my photos, and my block scans together. And I I like that method. I like that no matter what I do, I feel as if I'm collaging it. The blocks, I'm collaging them together. I don't always have enough letters to spell what I need, so I have to get creative with numbers, with symbols that are on the others. Um, the photos themselves with the the multi-image lens that I use, I collage together landscapes. I just, the, um, the method of that lens is that it takes whatever is in the central frame and it doubles it. It merges it together at some point in the middle And creates a whole new landscape, focuses on whatever subject was directly in the middle, and tells a whole new story to what you might have been seeing through the lens. And, of course, the collages themselves are actual physical collages. So being able to employ that medium on a bigger scale, on a a digital scale, on a medium-specific Project that we developed together. I, it was a really uh, maybe
1: cathartic experience. I think so. You said something earlier. It was like you were trying to find a single thread in all of your work, and mm-hmm. I think you had the threads, but that you had multiple threads, and you had to put them together.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I know really you like had to literally. create
1: yeah you had to create your own collaged quilt, I guess, um of all these different <laughs> ideas. And I think we definitely live in a society now where everything has to be seamless and direct and you know, a single thread. Um, but that's not necessarily the best, I guess, or it's just not necessarily the most real um. You know, combine all the threads and see
2: what happens. I think that's yeah, that's a fun idea. I mean, that's one of the reasons you know you shouldn't limit yourself and call yourself a sculptor, or a photographer, or a graphic designer. Like you're an artist. Right. You can do all the mediums. <laughs> Why limit yourself to one thread?
1: <laughs> right. Don't limit yourself to one thread. Have a whole quilt
0: instead.
2: Exactly. Moral of the story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Make a quilt. But this idea of storytelling, so happening at the same time, you're showing at at an exhibition that's in person versus Mm. the virtual exhibition. Um, So how has that aspect of storytelling been for you in these two different spaces? Or your relation to social media in another way?
2: Uh, Well... Curationally, they're obviously <laughs> very, very different things uh, for very different purposes. Um, so my, my physical work is up in the Ars Electronica uh, Festival for Arts and Technology um, for 2021. It's, it was a pop-up exhibition they were doing all over the world this year. It's normally h- held in Linz um, in Austria but of course with the pandemic most everything is virtual and last year they were fully virtual so there was this huge push to do these pop-up gardens all over the world with their partners and uh, the program that i'm studying in right now the mfa program is the arts and technology studies department and they have a relationship with ours electronica so we worked with a student curator in the ma program at saic to put together this really lovely in-person exhibition, and this is an exhibition that actually uses my photos in person. Um, So a lot of, a few of the reels, uh, those photos that are represented virtually are actually physical beings that are out in the world right now exhibiting, but in a totally different context and a totally different style. Um, I, I've had so much trouble the last few years figuring out how to display my Polaroids in a way that imparts to the viewer the physicality of it and also the nostalgia that's attached to Polaroid photography in general. Um, so I have these <laughs> these uh, photo cubes, they're all acrylic photo cubes. But they're also AM radios and they are vintage objects, 60s and 70s. They're really lovely that you're probably, if you've ever seen a photo cube in general, you, you know, you've probably seen it in your grandma's house or your great grandma's house or something like that, where these used to be really common objects. But now they are housing four of my Polaroids each. And that in itself was a different kind of uh, collage. <laughs> If you will, if you'll continue with this analogy, we've been using. Um, there's four at a time. They're rotating constantly, twenty four seven, and they all tell their own stories, um, just based on what they're paired with. Uh, and it was a really, again, another interesting collage uh, process to to pick each one of them and think about. Okay, if these three are, these four are together what do they say? If I take out one of the photos and replace it with another one, does it change the message? Um, it was a, an interesting experience for sure. There's there's 10 of them, so uh, I really took my time trying to figure out what, uh, what needed to be together and what was strongest together and what spoke the most together. Um, I'm not sure if that answers the question at all. Uh, <laughs> I kind of got lost there, but Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the Polaroids in two totally different formats, especially one being physical and one being virtual. It's and still somehow having them both be these little storytelling experiences, these little collages or memories. You mentioned the physicality of the Polaroids.
0: I wonder if you could kind of expand upon that a little bit
2: yeah so
0: um
2: within my practice everything that I feel I interact with or modify or put out as a piece is a charged object in some respect and by charged object I mean any object that it's any object that has a kind of nostalgic or emotional memory or knowledge attached to it, just through use and experience and and time. And sometimes, you know, we forget what that value is. Sometimes, oftentimes, objects are replaced with new ones. There, There are new gadgets that kind of take over and these once, actually, valuable things that people might have used every day, such as these photo cubes, um, become antiques, or they go to an antique store or a thrift store to kind of maybe get picked up. Um, maybe they'll become little knickknacks that people collect or something. Maybe it's a collector's item, but oftentimes they're just forgotten because nobody has a reason to use them for what they were meant to do anymore, and or they're old enough that nobody really remembers Um, (laughs) and how that relates to polaroid images to me is that polaroid images are charged objects to me the medium itself is embedded into the public memory you know it's the first form of instant photography instant portable photography um, that was available for a lot more people than was traditional for you know film photography at the time um so the physicality of them just the the presence of holding it in your hand and the thickness and that iconic white border it's recognizable and it it plays on something in everybody's physical memory anyone who's experienced a polaroid whether they were a really young child or they were an adult and they remember using them more frequently you know there's something there and there's something to tap into and that's what i mean when i emphasize the physicality of the object in general is really their connection to our physical public memory
1: i like that a lot now contrasting that phys- the physical nature of a polaroid mm-hmm. social media has you know no physical um yeah. and Instagram as a medium, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. physical about it. So how do you think fine art will evolve in response to the rise of social media and in the rise of not having as many physical
2: objects as we did before? Well, you know, social media has risen. <laughs> It's up there. It's out there. It's been there for a long time, and we've watched it evolve. We've changed with it. It's both fascinating and terrifying. But, you know, I think that things are moving in a different direction. You know, things are really moving to blockchain. They're moving to NFTs. They're moving to virtual representations of physical objects. And that's not necessarily... Something that I think threatens fine art. I I think there will always be room for physical objects and experiences. There's always something different and more impactful about seeing a show in person and navigating it with your body and witnessing scale and uh, sensory elements that cannot be translated through a screen. I think there's a place for everything I think it's rapidly changing, but there's definitely not going to be a loss in the physical world. It's going to be more of some kind of blending, some kind of immersion that we've seen uh, accelerated by the pandemic this past year. You know, it's less about virtual space and physical space, but how those two intersect. And I feel the same for virtual and physical art. Everyone is responding in different ways to the pandemic and just to loop back to one of the reasons we wanted to do specifically Instagram reels it's because we didn't want to just post another photo on Instagram you know we wanted to post something that was interactive and different and that's just an example of pivoting and shifting and reevaluating what we were doing you know back in March 2020 when things started going haywire i remember it was a huge learning curve for a lot of people to put together virtual exhibitions. And you saw a lot of, you know, 3D models of galleries that you could click and drag, navigate from your desktop. And those weren't always the best to experience. They weren't always the best to work with. It changed to kind of these scrolling Adobe Spark sites. You know, every every space did something different because we had to, um, and, it's only going to keep evolving, and people are going to keep responding. Yeah, I totally
1: agree with everything you said. It, it's just going to keep going forward, so.
0: Who knows what the future will have in store.
2: Just got to keep rolling with it. You're
1: scrolling with
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. wow.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was, too easy. that was too easy for me
2: <laughs> so what's next for you Sydney oh my gosh what is next for me Virginia um, <laughs> there's there's always something you don't have happening. to have a finite answer it's okay it's <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you but uh, yeah I'm just I'm just trying to get my MFA and and survive another year of pandemic and continue making art, I don't think anything's going to stop me from doing that.
0: Yeah, I will
1: say, I also know what Sydney is up to. She is desperately looking (laughs) for Furbies, so if you have any Furbies you're willing to contribute, like, hit us up. Yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, Furbies. Like, seriously, though, hit us up. (laughs) <laughs> and we don't have a hotline yet but you know oh, just DM us, it. it's close, close <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> yeah, uh, Furbies are kind of the next thing <laughs> well, on that note where, where can people find you online? so you can find me at sid underscore g underscore art on instagram and also find me at sidgart.com um, where there's a contact form for you to fill out
1: where you can submit your furbies obviously,
2: oh, yes. so <laughs> <laughs> your furbies and any other things <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well sydney thank you so much yeah, thanks I... for having me this project has like really I've really connected with it and I've really loved the time we've spent together working on it. And I think it's really some, some amazing work. So I'm just honored to be attached to it.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, lending your voice and, and working with me through this. It's been such a a good positive process that I think we really needed.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we needed it individually. I think we needed it together. So, you know, yeah. Wins for everyone. <laughs> All right, so you can look at Sydney's exhibition, The Racking Tours of Thought, on our Instagram page at Xhibitions. and it will be up through the first week of October so I definitely encourage you to look at it. There's some really fun stuff there.
0: So until next time on P.S. Exhibitions Podcast, bye! Bye. See ya.